and welcome to another Friday afternoon edition of the really live business of cannabis talk show we call Green Rush Live here on Pro Cannabis Media. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, and over the next couple of hours, we're going to be talking about testing procedures in the cannabis industry. There's a lot of controversy going on in various states, and sure enough, we've got lab lab people and scientists from all over the country coming in to chit-chat and answer some of the questions that we might have about some of the inconsistencies in testing, not just in lab-to-lab lab or product-to-product, product, but state-to-state state as well. And we've got a pretty damn good lineup, and I'm going to obviously welcome in my pals uh, Doug Miller and Josh Kincaid uh, with us this afternoon. And since it is the third Friday of the month, we also have our friend from Normal in Washington, D.C. His name is Morgan Fox. Morgan, again, thank you for showing up and being here for us every month. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. So the million dollar question every week, Morgan, we want to know what the heck is going on with Chuck Schumer, look, you know, meeting with some uh, bipartisan group in the Senate, perhaps something might evolve out of those talks. Uh, what's the latest on any kind of federal reform in Washington, D.C.? Well, conversations are ongoing about the path that cannabis policy reform is going to take in the Senate, um, you know, Earlier uh, this year, uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer met with uh, Democratic colleagues who have been uh, leaders on this issue in the Senate and uh, is now starting to uh, cross over the aisle to determine uh, what might be feasible in the current session uh, based on a lot of the negotiations that happened uh, both before and after the uh, midterm elections last year. Um, you know, as I'm sure that uh, that you and your viewers recall, uh, you know, there was a last ditch attempt to attach uh, banking and uh, expungement and uh, Second Amendment protections to uh, a several must pass uh, um, spending packages. And unfortunately, those were, uh, you know, blocked by uh, Senator McConnell. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we probably could have gotten the votes for at least uh, some of those things had uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer introduced them as standalones earlier in the year instead of waiting until the very last minute. Uh, but there's plenty of blame to go around as far as that's concerned. Um, but now in the uh, the current Congress, uh, you know, we are already seeing a movement on incremental legislation in the House. You know, we've already seen bills be introduced uh, relating to um, uh, research and uh, uh, veterans protection and access and um, you know, several other items. So, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, there's definitely still uh, a lot of appetite to get things done on the House side. The question is going to be uh, what gets prioritized both there as well as in the Senate and what is actually feasible to be passed. Uh, you know, a good indicator is that, uh, you know, this week, uh, in fact, just yesterday, um, uh, for what I believe is the very first time, a Senate committee, that being the, the Veterans Affairs Committee, uh, approved a bill to uh, study the uh, potential medical benefits of cannabis for uh, various conditions that uh, are very prominent in the veteran community. Um, you know, this is definitely a good first step, and everything that I'm seeing says that this uh, particular bill is being fast-tracked. Uh, we saw uh, the introduction of the House Companion as well uh, pretty recently, and I expect that we will probably see uh, movement on the House side as well in terms of uh, committee hearings. Um, but I don't see a lot of opposition there. Unfortunately, this particular bill is uh, doesn't have a whole lot of impact. Um, you know, it's great that 
it would direct the VA to uh, study these things, uh, but it doesn't really create uh, a requirement that they do so. Uh, there's an odd distinction between observational data and clinical studies that doesn't really make much sense. Um, but also, uh, there's plenty of information already available, both scientific and anecdotal, that uh, cannabis helps uh, veterans uh, treat a number of conditions, everything from PTSD to traumatic brain injuries um, or chronic pain. So uh, we don't necessarily need to do more research in order for the VA to solidify its uh, policies. Uh, but we've already seen the introduction of another bill by uh, Representative Stubbe from Florida uh, that uh, would actually codify the policies that exist uh, currently at the VA uh, into law, being that uh, if you're a medical cannabis patient in compliance with state law, uh, that uh, you don't have to worry about having your, uh, your benefits impacted or uh, other forms of treatment offered through the VA impacted either. So uh, we already have legislators that are trying to move past that. And some of the stories you brought up are right in the middle of, actually right at the beginning of our weekly We Talk News show that follows the two-hour really live stream we're doing right now. Uh, that'll be coming up at six o'clock. And one of the biggest stories that has evolved over the last week is the softening of what I call censorship by Twitter and by Google folks uh, on cannabis. Now, when we, we put cannabis in quotes on that because there's a difference between the hemp world and topicals and that sort of thing versus the THC infused other items that are involved as well. But is this not a good sign, a softening of some of the community guidelines of some of the biggest social media companies that this could be a good sign that might trickle down into the coffers of the federal government? Well, you know, on the one hand, it's a step in the right direction that social media companies are starting to loosen some of their restrictions, which, uh, frankly, have been insane over the years, uh, to the point where, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, restrictions were not just applying to people that were actually trying to sell cannabis products uh, or, or hemp products, but were actually being applied to advocacy organizations. I mean, uh, every single organization that I've worked with has faced problems with getting their uh, their ads rejected um, or uh being shadow banned in some fashion, uh, simply because the word cannabis was mentioned. And, uh, you know, the nature of these companies is such that it's very difficult to get such uh, bans or restrictions lifted, even if you can prove to them that you're not actually selling cannabis products. Um, now, while you know, on the surface, this is a step in the right direction, uh, I do worry that there might be some unintended consequences of this, because based on the actual um, nature of the new allowances, which are really pretty much limited to um, uh, products that meet the legal definition of, of uh, legal hemp. So, you know, beneath 0.3% uh, THC, um, this is going to open the door for a lot of unregulated producers to be able to advertise while regulated producers and retailers will still not be able to. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. I got uh, Josh Kincaid, Doug Miller here to, alongside. I want to get them involved with this as well so that they can ask you some of the questions they might have. Um, Josh, go ahead. You can go first. Well, I, I mean, first off, I think anytime the government is getting involved and they're allowing for it and that, that discussion is allowed, especially for veterans who have PTSD and so many other ailments, uh, I, I think that's a positive. Um, I mean, Overall, are are we gaining more um, acceptance? I mean, that in and of itself is is huge news, um, and just the fact that they're accepting it and allowing it and discussing it. Is there any talks about 
um, having MMJ scripts and allowing for medical cannabis use by veterans uh, prescribed or um, having more resources for them inside of the VA? Absolutely. And this conversation has been going on for quite a while. Uh, you know, in the previous Congress, there was a lot of effort being put towards passing uh, bills that would not only codify protections for uh, uh, medical cannabis patients, but also would explicitly allow uh, VA doctors to be able to recommend medical cannabis in states where it's legal. Um, and then we saw a lot of other uh, legislation related to those issues, such as uh, amendments to um, the NDAA that would have uh, prevented the VA from discriminating against uh, veterans who work in the medical cannabis or in the uh, the cannabis industry uh, from being denied home loans uh, through the VA system, um, and uh, you know, a whole slew of other things, uh, and ranging from you know, like we're seeing right now, simple studies to uh, really, really robust protections and uh, uh, restoration of rights and making sure that they can continue to get the treatment and benefits that they deserve. Uh, if they're uh, cannabis consumers, whether medical or uh, legal and compliant adult users. Um, we're seeing uh, that continuation uh, or we're seeing a continuation of that conversation now. Um, like I said, we already saw a bill that goes a lot farther than the bill that was approved in the Senate committee uh, introduced in the House already. And I expect that we're going to see the reintroduction of um, the uh, Veterans Equal Access Act uh, within the next month or so, uh, hopefully, uh, as soon as possible. And then, um, you know, we're not really seeing a lot of uh, uh, pushback on this uh, particular issue. And I think that this is kind of indicative of um, a general growing acceptance of cannabis issues generally among members of Congress. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were really scared that we wouldn't be able to get anything done in such a, a divided Congress. But I think that there's a lot of ability for us to get uh, some incremental measures passed relating to veterans and expungement and banking and a number of other issues uh, that will help raise the bar and get lawmakers more comfortable with supporting these issues. Um, just from my own personal experience, I can tell you that just walking around the halls of Congress and doing drop-ins in congressional offices on both the Senate and House side, uh, you know, in years past, uh, when you asked, uh, you know, the people at reception who was in charge of the cannabis portfolio, they oftentimes would have no idea or they'd have to look around. And uh, every single office that I've dropped into unexpectedly this year, uh, they can immediately point me towards who's handling the cannabis issues. And I think that is indicative of a real sea change in terms of how seriously this issue is being taken in Congress. Oh, that, that is a good sign. All right, Doug, you're next, pal. All right, so I have a different question. I want to know what have you heard about um, the gun laws and cannabis licenses? Because you know, apparently you're they're saying that you can have a gun permit and a cannabis license. Then you hear you're not allowed to have a gun permit, a cannabis license. What is the uh, what have you been hearing on Washington? And because I know it's been a debate lately, so I was just kind of wondering what you've heard. Well, so very recently there was a ruling by a judge in the. Uh, um, the federal western district of oklahoma uh, that uh basically said that um you cannot be discriminated against or have your second amendment rights curtailed because you are a, a, a cannabis consumer or a, a, of any sort um, unfortunately that's not universally binding but it does set an excellent precedent um and i think that it's going to force the department of justice to really uh rethink uh some of its um its rationale in trying to challenge lawsuits that are based on uh, this issue. Uh, now, lawsuits aside, we are seeing legislative movement on this. Um, 
already this year, we've seen uh, Representative uh, Mooney from West Virginia, uh, along with uh, Representatives uh, Mast and um, uh, several other Republican uh, co-sponsors, uh, introduce legislation that would explicitly protect the rights of uh, medical cannabis patients uh, in terms of their uh, their Second Amendment rights. Um, I expect that we will see uh, another uh, bill uh, be introduced in the relatively near future that would go beyond that and protect all cannabis users that are in compliance with state law from having to answer that question and uh, you know risk perjuring themselves on uh, federal firearm purchase application forms. Uh, so. We're, we're definitely seeing movement in that area, uh, both in the courts and on the Hill. Um, and I think that this is a perfect example of one of those incremental issues that we can address in a Republican-led House and that um, could very easily see movement even in a Democratically-led Senate, uh, because this isn't necessarily about guns. This is about discrimination uh, against uh, uh, cannabis consumers. And so it's something that I think people on both sides of the aisle can get behind because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it certainly doesn't fit the, uh, the DOJ's definition of, uh, you know, why people should be denied these rights where, you know, their uh, uh, motions to dismiss lawsuits have basically compared uh, anybody who uses cannabis to a, uh, a violent domestic abuser. Can you dumb that down for me on a state level? How can we super at the state level supersede federal level? Is it's the same equivalent of if you wear denim, you can't vote. H how is that legal? Well, so uh, really, this is an issue uh, with uh, the uh, the Federal Firearms Act, um, and so uh, there is a, a a form that you have to fill out whenever you're purchasing a firearm, no matter where you are, and there's a line on that form that explicitly says that. Um, you know, you, uh, you have to check, like, are you addicted to or currently using uh, illegal substances? And there's an addendum that says uh, something along the lines of even if cannabis is legal for medical or recreational purposes in the state in which you reside. So if you're purchasing a firearm and you say, no, I'm not you know, addicted to marijuana or no, uh, or you basically lie on that form, you are open to federal perjury charges, which can carry federal uh, several years in prison. Uh, if uh, convicted. Um, but the uh, the Federal Firearms Act, uh, which I believe was passed in the uh, the early 90s, it was, uh, you know, has jurisdiction over, uh, you know, the entire country. So no matter what uh, the state laws are with regard to uh, cannabis, um, the federal law when it comes to firearms uh, still holds. Now, a number of states have actually taken measures to address this. Um, you know, states like Oregon and uh, Michigan, I believe, and several others uh, have taken steps to change their state laws with regard to things like concealed carry licenses, where they made specific exceptions for people that are medical patients in compliance with uh, those states' laws. But you still have to deal with the issue of uh, federal law. So, and unfortunately, they, they still have jurisdiction in this area. Yeah, I know, uh, and go back to the veterans, a lot of veterans that won't get the medical card because of that reason because obviously they like to have their gun permits and uh and yeah it's just a it's a whole gray area and it's terrible because it's like hey these veterans went and fought for their life they come back cannabis works for them but you don't want to give them the proper medication because you want to argue about a gun they have the right to have a gun and uh and yeah it's just a crazy thing and to be clear, you know, uh, we really haven't seen so much issue with possession of firearms, uh, you know, especially if they're purchased uh, uh, legally, uh, but purchasing 
has been an issue. Um, you know, people are put in a position where they have to either commit perjury on a federal uh, firearm form um, or be denied their uh, their ability to uh, to purchase a firearm. So, um, you know, this is definitely something that uh, that we need to change and that affects a lot of people, particularly veterans and former law enforcement um, who are among the uh, the plaintiffs in uh, the lawsuit filed by um, former uh, uh, Florida official Nikki Freed, who uh, you know, since leaving office has uh, dropped off of that uh, that lawsuit. But I believe the uh, um, the other uh, uh, plaintiffs are uh, have uh, have continued that suit. I, can I ask a couple of things? You mentioned a few things about um, both sides of the aisle and we talk about a la carte issues that you think might be incremental steps towards a bigger goal of and I don't like to use the word legalization. I'm big on normalization. But getting it off Schedule 1, the DOJ uh, um, investigation into whether or not cannabis has any medicinal benefits. Meanwhile, we've got hundreds of thousands of people that have medical cards and using it medicinally. So uh, what are some of those uh, incremental issues that you see that perhaps the other side of the aisle, as opposed to the Democrat, the other side, um, might be interested in talking about? And I would think that I would still maintain. I don't understand how banking hasn't moved forward. Does, doesn't I don't care what political party you are. Well, I think that, uh, you know banking is definitely on the table for uh, the current congressional session. Um, you know, as we've already discussed, uh, Second Amendment protections and uh, veterans' access and protections are certainly on the table. Um, research absolutely is on the table. Um, I think that we can probably expect to see some movement or at least hopefully we'll see some movement in um uh, protecting federal employees as well as people seeking uh security clearances from being uh discriminated against for past or present cannabis use um that one might be a little bit of a tougher slog but i think that it's 100 within the realm of possibility um and uh you know we're just waiting to see that uh there are also a lot of other issues, I think, on the margins as well that uh, could potentially uh, move forward. I mean, I, I think that we're absolutely going to see a continuation of the um, uh, appropriations prohibition against the DOJ interfering with state medical cannabis programs. And uh, I think that it's very possible that we'll see that extended to adult use programs as well, um, you know, provided that we do enough outreach to, uh, you know, really folks on both sides of the aisle, because it, this doesn't have unanimous democratic support either. Uh, but I think it's it's very possible that we could see that move forward uh, as well. So, um, you know, there may be other issues that come up as well. Um, I think ones that probably stand a little bit less of a chance of passing through a uh, GOP controlled house are things like uh, uh, access to uh, SBA loans and grant programs by uh, cannabis businesses. Uh, but I'm really hoping that I'm wrong. Uh, however, I do think that, uh, you know, in addition to things like banking, we might be able to see bankruptcy protections uh, enacted uh, in the current session for uh, not only uh, cannabis businesses themselves, but for the individuals that work at them. And, you know, right now, it's, uh, it's a really bad situation that we're in where, you know, a lot of times people that are, uh, are working for cannabis businesses are ineligible to be able to file uh, for bankruptcy or at least have a much more difficult time doing so. And uh, that is uh, really unfortunate when you look at the fact that uh, 
a lot of cannabis businesses are failing because of overtaxation and because of overregulation and lack of federal change. And we'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't discuss uh, California's move towards looking for partnerships on interstate commerce. Is that a possibility state to state, even though federal hasn't changed much when it comes to looking at the law? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the federal government has the uh, the final say so when it comes to interstate commerce. Um, that being said, states can certainly uh, enter into these compacts and test the DOJ, you know, see uh, see if they're going to interfere with it. I mean, every single legal cannabis system, whether a medical or adult use right now, is illegal at the federal level. So the question is, how far can they go before the uh, the federal government decides to step in and put a stop to it, if they will at all? Uh, you know, I think that this is kind of ripe for a test case. And also, the fact that this might be compacts between just a handful of states uh, will not only give us a lot of data before uh, we start seeing real serious movement towards federal descheduling and allowing interstate commerce uh, throughout the country, um, but we'll also provide the uh, the sort of slow roll in that a lot of advocates who are concerned about uh, you know instant uh, initiation of the dormant commerce clause that could come with uh, descheduling uh, would have on uh, on state markets and in particular uh, you know state market uh, social equity programs so uh, you know I think that you know it's really just up to these states about you know whether or not uh, well first of all whether or not they're able to find uh, uh, recipient states, you know, import states that are willing to enter into these compacts. And I, I've heard that New Jersey and some other states have been uh, potentially interested in that, but I haven't seen any legislative action along those lines within those states yet. Um, but also how far these state governments are willing to go to test the DOJ uh, in terms of their, uh, their patients for um, behavior that is federally illegal. Oregon passed that two years ago, contingent on federal, which could that that part could be lifted and then they could trade between California and Oregon uh, in a similar fashion that Portland was running to Vancouver, Washington, when Washington legalized and we have all these neighboring states. Right. So um, I would I would disagree with your comment that the feds have the final uh, say we have jury nullification. So even if you do get busted, maybe the jury knows about it and they'll nullify you and uh, and it won't happen. Um, court of public opinion is another way of saying that. But when you see neighboring states and people jumping across the board, I think we already see the writing on the wall. Money's there um, and Oregon's there. California will, will follow suit. Washington. And then that'll just push the feds to say, OK, let's just open this up. And they don't want to fight it. They don't care. I'm a big fan of jury nullification, but I guarantee you any federal prosecutor that wants to push it can find a jury that will convict. Mm. They're still out there. There are still plenty of people out there that don't want to have anything to do with yeah. this plant. And it it is one of the biggest frustrations of anyone that I talk to that's in uh, the cannabis industry. So as usual, Morgan, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on what is the latest towards federal legalization, normalization, movement, all of those neat issues that cannabis is right in the middle of. So Morgan, as always, uh, thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll definitely see you in a few more weeks. We're going to take a break now. It is just after 420, after all, on a Friday afternoon. I'm going to sneak over to the chat room and leave the testing conversation to Doug and to Josh. So 
Don't go away. Green Rush Live continues after this. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.